Hello, welcome back to the Life from the Nurse podcast. Hope you're doing well today. We're going to be looking at some of the predictions for 2023 that were released from um, a lot of fairly influential individuals in the watch community. The reason why I want to do this is it's it's interesting that in, within the past week, both Philips and Hodinkee released sort of their predictions for where watch watches are going to go over the next um, over the next. Um, over the next year, I'm going to look at an article that was written by Phillips titled Our Biggest Surprises from 2022 and Boldest Predictions for 2023. Um, they basically say, join us in looking back at another record-breaking year for Phillips in association with Box and Russo. Oh, and you won't want to miss what our team forecasts for the rest of 2023. I won't talk about the sort of looking back at 2022. I kind of want to focus on going forward. That's a, that's one of the articles we're going to look at, and then going to look at an article that was published by um, Anthony Trena titled um, "The '90s Are In and Everyone Wants Complications from the Holy Trinity: Five Five Predictions for the Watch Market in 2023." Um, both these articles actually were released around the same time, which is kind of interesting. So. It'll be interesting to read through these predictions and sort of have a discussion about them. I'll actually start off with the Hodinkee article. I think this was really well written. Um, I absolutely love uh, Anthony Trano's uh, content. I encourage you to read it if you if you don't read more of his stuff on Hodinkee. Um, but uh, I'll I'll sort of start off with. The fact that um, the sort of blurb about this is the continued rise of neo-vintage and the oversaturation of Jorn and others and the year we embrace jewelry watches. So there are um, five predictions that he sort of goes into um, in this article. The first one is actually titled the year of the anti-trend. Um, this is quite interesting in the idea that it's the prediction is that... Um, 2023 is um, going to see where, uh, you know, the, the watches that are really in favor with many collectors are probably going to take a little bit of a cool off, uh, take take it easy in 2023. It's funny, he starts this one with, I know I promised trends, but perhaps the best thing that could happen in 2023 is the uh, diminishing of trends that have defined the last few years of quote unquote collecting. And obviously, there's some simple watches that you can point to, things like the Patek Fleet 5711. Um, and it's quite quite cool that, 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 that maybe we're going to see a little bit of a softening of these watches that have become so uh, hyped and so um, sought after by so many people that there's so much sort of like a fear of missing out on these watches. He kind of quotes the fact that he saw um, or references the fact that he saw a lot of variety at the Miami Beach Antique show um and seeing the variety there kind of shows that maybe you'll there will be other watches that will become more favorable i think this is a pretty solid prediction i think coming off of 2022 we obviously saw prices decrease for many of these uh, watches and to be honest i i think it's good that these are cooling off i think there was just an absolute rage about some of these pieces um and so you know possible recession worries coming up or Slowing of economic activity might be a good thing and will maybe lead to some of these watches just cooling off and taking a breather for, from the highs that they've really seen. 
What is really interesting uh, is that the second prediction is that neo-vintage watches are going to become more favorable. Uh, no longer new, but still exciting is how he describes it. Um, this is a pretty interesting era of, of watches, um, this 80s and 90s era of neo-vintage pieces that are, that are in, this, in this time frame. And to sort of describe, um, to sort of quote his article, this year enthusiasts will get more discerning about what neo-vintage watches are exciting and offer true value. Sure, neo-vintage Rolex and Omega can offer value propositions, and don't get me started on 90s IWC, especially as alternatives to new watches that often have wait lists, but these are still mass-produced watches. The true excitement of the 90s was around the rebirth of traditional watchmaking, both in the birth of independence and in large houses refocusing on traditional watchmaking and complications. It's quite cool to sort of think about this uh, as a concept. I do think that neo-vintage Rolex um, will, do, will have a good year um, because of the value proposition that they have and the wait list that many people have to have to be on. But it is cool that in the 90s there was more of a focus um, there's more of a focus on complication from brands like Breguet and Blancpain and others. And these watches, I think, are going to gain in popularity because people are looking for complications um, and, and affordable complications because of, you know, the prices of modern pieces uh, nowadays when you're looking for something like an annual calendar. So I think this is an exciting time. I don't, you know, I think he, he makes a good um, point to state that Rolex and Omega are value propositions, but they're mass-produced watches at the end of the day, so you have to kind of keep that in mind when you're, when you're going through this. Uh, the third prediction, are complications coming back? It's complicated. This was an interesting one. Seems like complications are what people are, people are looking for, whether that's in... Um, whether that's in... in uh, in pocket watches or wrist watches to quote the article yes a lot of this complicated watchmaking comes from the neo vintage era but it can take other forms too pocket watches vintage beyond chronographs even modern complicated watches like the gyro tourbillon that have fallen out of fashion this year people will continue to realize that there's serious complicated watchmaking to be had for the same price as a 5711 on the secondary market i think this is a really good comment and something that I think is an additive to why watches like the 5711 or the, the hype watches are, are probably going to fall out of favor because people are realizing that they can get so much watchmaking for what they wanted to spend on 5711. And because people are impatient, they're going to, you know, obviously try and find an alternative to the watch that they probably can't get their hands on anytime soon. I think complications are quite interesting. This is in contrast pretty well with, with the Philips article so I'll um, I'll save that some comments for then but um, I think what your the overall message that I'm seeing here is that the watch collector is getting smarter um, they're realizing that there's more to watches or more to watch collecting than just what people love and what people have um, hailed as some of the best watches out there uh there there are watches like Daniel Roth's and complicated automobiles and Gigi Le Coultre gyro tourbillons there's so many watches out there that um 
that present so much value and so much and are quite interesting from a complications perspective other than just a time only um nautilus and you can get a lot more enjoyment out of something that might be a little bit more complicated and and interesting to research and learn about and, and wear on your wrist so i do think that the collector is getting smarter whether that's from an attrition of those who got into the watch collecting you know in the last two years for the for the hype or um those individuals are now maybe they're either falling out of the collecting sphere or becoming more educated i do think that this prediction is actually a really nice one the fourth one is a lot of watches are basically jewelry so let's embrace it this is pretty cool um the, there's definitely a revival of jewelry-based models from brands like Piaget, Vacheron, Rolex, and others from the 70s and 80s. This is an interesting, um, interesting prediction and is based, I think, on what was seen at the Miami Beach Antique Show and as well on, on um, you know, celebrities' wrists. <clears throat> it's, a, it's an interesting prediction. The problem with jewelry pieces, I think, is um, they don't fit everyone's um, sort of aesthetic or style or what they what they like to to wear on their wrists. And to be honest, like I think I would put Cartier within this um, sort of category. But I think that there's actually a softening from Cartier in the last couple of months, years. I think you saw the results. Um, from the last year's auctions, sort of the softening of Cartier. And I think it kind of fits in with with the, with this um, sort of genre of watches. So <clears throat> maybe they will become more popular than they were, but I don't think um, maybe mass market appeal of these pieces are, is, gonna, is gonna happen. I actually think there's going to be a very select few people who will be interested in, in these pieces and <clears throat> will add them to their collection if they're, if they're interested. The article ends with the fifth prediction, which is that special watches are still special. And really it's just a reality check that the watch market has slowed over the last year. And while um, there's going to be softening of some watches and strengthening of others, if a watch is truly special, you're still going to see them. Um, you're still going to see them um, be, you know, garner a lot of... Um, a lot of interest from from certain collectors. It's still special if you find yourself with a Cartier Pebble, a pristine Paul Newman Daytona, or a Patek with provenance, which is what is quoted in at the end of this article. So <clears throat> I think it's going to be about finding the quality in, in these pieces and and being patient for them to turn up and and and, and you know, allow for the market to sort of reset after this this hype that has been generated, um, that has been generated over the last uh, two three years. Um, so I'd say this article I think was great. I I like where it ended. I like where it started. Nineties, um, I'm not too sure, but I do agree with complications. I do agree with uh, neo vintage. So overall, I I like the predictions. I think it's a good thought of of 2023. The biggest takeaways that I have are collectors are trying to be smarter, whether that's, and again, I'll say this again, whether it's because the people who were buying watches for obscene prices have either left the market or they've become smarter about 
what they're actually purchasing. I do think that this year is going to be about becoming educated, realizing the money that's being spent on certain pieces and where they should fall and going to things that are equally as interesting um, or equally in, equal in price, but maybe just a little bit more interesting, I think is a good, good, um, a good thought. I do think returning to traditional watchmaking is a good thought of, you know, Neo Vintage coming up, especially when it comes to prices being a little bit more attractive. And overall, a watch collector seems, according to the article, it seems that a watch collector is going to try and be patient or should be patient this year to find a watch of, of, um, that's truly special to them in order to build out their collection. Um, I kind of like the last sentence where it says, for the rest of us, though, 2023 might be a year of patience as the market catches its breath. Uh, so it's a nice way to, to end the article. Again, there will be a link in the show notes if you want to read through that article. Um, fabulous, fabulous uh, job. So I'll move on to the Phillips, um, Phillips article, which again, um, will be there will be a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. I'm going to discuss some of the individuals at Phillips and what their um, predictions are for the coming year. In the article, they have some of the biggest surprises as well. So you should definitely check out the article to see their biggest surprises of 2022. The article starts off with Arl Box, senior consultant and watch, uh, watch legend, um, making his predictions. His prediction um, kind of actually speaks to watches a watch that I mentioned previously, which was the 5711. Uh, I'll just quote the article really quickly. Anyone who knows me can testify that I do not like to make predictions because it is my belief that I should rather underpromise and overdeliver than overpromise and underdeliver. Knowing, however, that I cannot avoid sharing a prediction here, and on top of that, a bold one, I will say that I expect prices of the Nautilus reference 5711 and steel, the classic one with blue and gray dial, to go up at least 20% in value compared to the low point we saw in the autumn of 2022. This is an interesting prediction and kind of in contrast with the Hodinkee article. Hodinkee, the, you know, Train obviously was mentioning how the 5711 is kind of softened, and I think people are going to move away from those trendy watches. Whereas all box believes that the Nautilus 5711 is actually probably going to see a nice increase in prices. Now, obviously, Trena was speaking about hype watches or, or these trendy watches in general. But and all boxes are speaking specifically of the 5711. I think it's hard to say that the 5711 um, will plummet in value. But a prediction of 20% is is very bullish. And I... I feel like Box might be operating on with more information than maybe some of us have. And obviously auction market, auction auction houses have that type of information. And so maybe this is a is a prediction that uh that will come true. Paul Boutros, head of watches the Americas, was the next person to make a prediction. And um the prediction is that we'll see some excitement, exciting new introductions in each of the product lines. Um, from uh, uh, brands who are celebrating anniversaries and historic milestones, and also discon discontinuation of some noteworthy models. He believes that because of this, early, early examples of watches like the Rolex Daytona, the Hoyer Carrera, and the Royal Oak Offshore will see an increase in demand for collectors in 2023. Interesting prediction. I think it's a pretty good one with watch brands celebrating uh, anniversaries. I'll, I should have said this, but 
It's the 60th anniversary of the Rolex Daytona and uh, Hoyer Carrera and the 30th anniversary of the Audemars Piguet Royal Look Offshore. So with, with brands of such noteworthy um, watches celebrating these anniversaries, they're obviously going to do something fairly interesting and that could be pulling from the past. And so the pulling from the past might make those watches from the past increase in, in, in demand. And so there's, there's definitely going to be a tension between um, anniversary pieces and historic models, um, which I think is a, a pretty good prediction. Alexander Gottby, the head of watches in continental Europe and the uh, and Europe, Middle East uh, and Asia, um, made uh, the following prediction. Um, we'll see. Uh, I'll and I'll quote the article. After the increase, incredible increase in demand for steel sports watches, I think we will see a rising interest in simpler time-only dress watches. These will not uh, systematically be a stare to hand watches. Collectors will reopen to the beauty of simplicity, and modern and vintage time-only watches will make a comeback. I love this prediction because I truly, um, I truly love um, uh, time-only uh, watches. The simplicity of of the dials are really what 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 gets me in the the beauty and simplicity. I think is um, is is what I really like. This is interesting in contrast with the Horinki article where we sort of talked a little bit more about how complications might become a little bit more popular. I think these watches are a little bit more attractive in accessibility, and I think that's probably why this prediction is a fairly good one. Um, whether we see this hockey stick growth is another question, but I do think people will sort of broaden what they're looking at instead of looking at the steel sports watches and maybe look for something a little bit different than what they typically have in their collection. Another one of his predictions was that he thinks that 2023 will be uh, will see purple become the color of choice for manufacturers. Interesting, um, definitely an interesting, uh, interesting thought. Uh, he mentions that the flavor of the year were things like salmon and green in past years, and so purple might be the next thing. I honestly have no idea. Um, I think some brands have used blue in some of their pieces, so. Maybe that will be where brands go, but I really have no comment on purple, but it'll be cool to see what happens. Um, obviously, um, Alice Gottby is a huge independent brand um, lover, um, and I think there's other, other. you know, he said he didn't want to f- forget about his independent watches, watchmakers that he loves. Um, so he thinks that some of the more under-the-radar manufacturers will probably see a, a little bit of a boom Um Recep Recepi, uh, Theo Offert, um, or to name a couple, are, are the ones that I think might um, gain a little bit of steam. Gertrude Wong's prediction for the year was that timepieces that tick the following three boxes will continue to grow over time. Scarcity, outstanding condition, and great provenance. Um, I think th- this is a safe... Um, this is a very safe um, bet... Uh, that that, as people pause and and take a breath, they'll study watches a little bit more, and want to find watches that have, those three elements: scarcity, great condition, and great provenance. Um, and I think that just is a natural sort of cycle as people get more um, 
more more into the hobby and more uh, selective about the watches they want to add to their prediction their um their collection. Um, another one of Wong's predictions was that independence will continue to grow in 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 success in twenty twenty three. I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good prediction as well for the reasons that I've mentioned before. James Marks, the director of Phillips Perpetual, uh, came out with uh, predictions that he thinks that there are, we will see two streams of interest from collectors. I see a growing sense that great contemporary references such as the La Mania-based 5970 and reference 5004 from TechFleet will soon be considered blue trip, chip, and the arbitrage and price between complications and sports watches will continue to widen. Sensible money should begin to study production volumes, quality, and aesthetics rather than fashion. He also sees collectors focusing on quirky and affordable watches such as the vintage uh, Porsche design provide a link between two different passions, cars and watches, and yet they also have a story that keeps collectors curious. I really like the second prediction. kind of goes hand in hand with the idea that um, neo-vintage kind of 90s watches that Trina made in the Hodenki article will we'll see uh, some sort of comeback. I find watches from like the 70s quite interesting in a time period that maybe not a lot of collectors are looking at, but maybe this year will be the the time where people start to, uh, start to investigate. <laughs> Arthur Touchot, international head of digital strategy, uh, made the predictions that um, modern watches will continue to perform very well in live sales. Um, and that online sales will become much more than stop gaps between traditional auction season. So this was this was a little bit more of um, an, a a comment about the the vehicle for selling watches. Um, so I think I think it's true. Online will become big, and um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Logan Baker, senior editorial manager. Um, kind of t said that he thinks that it's a, he said he admits he thinks his forecast is boring but he thinks that brands and watchmakers will follow a path of gradually evolving evolution this year this means we can expect continued emphasis on precious metal watches with smaller dimensions and gender neutral designs rolex um might look to make a splash around the 60th anniversary of the daytona but i don't anticipate any major advancements from the year's remaining anniversary darlings Long Pond 50 Fathoms, Omega Seamaster, Protect the Aquanaut, Tagore, Carrera, and Rolex Explorer. I think it's a, a, a fine prediction. Um, I think it's what you would expect from most brands and probably the direction that, that um, you, would, you would see these going. As far as me, I, I rather not pass my judgment about predictions for 2023. I'd rather just see what it is going, where it's going. I will say that I do think that this is a year of education where people will try and get a little bit smarter about watches. I think a lot of money has flown into the watch market, whether that's vintage or modern or neo-vintage, um, and maybe went in at such a fast rate that, uh, that, you know, kind of didn't... The money didn't start off with the principles that I find very important in watch collecting, which is taking your time, doing your research, knowing exactly what you're looking for and where watches are coming from and really focusing on becoming a smarter collector or a smart collector. And I do think that is what 2023 is gonna hold. 
so I think we're going to see people asking the right questions, finding watches that they really truly love um, and tick all the boxes that they're looking for. And I think this will let naturally lead to a um, kind of like, we'll call it an invisible hand to the mean, the mean being of high quality timepieces um, that tick many boxes for the majority of collectors, which are things that have been discussed in this podcast, which are, um, you know, quality, provenance, condition. And I think that's overall a really great thing for the, the watch collecting community as a whole. As I mentioned, there'll be links in the show notes to both these articles. Be sure to check those out. Uh, thanks to Hodinki and Phillips for making your predictions for 2023. It was fun to discuss them. If you have predictions for 2023, be sure to hit me up. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. Um, be sure to follow us there. And you can probably, um, you can hit it, you can contact us on our website or any of the other social media platforms, but Instagram is probably the best, probably where you are located too. If you are new to the Life in the Nurse podcast, be sure to follow us. And if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out. With this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.